Cars have between four and eight cylinders? I think they could have up to like 24. Really? No, I just pulled that number out of my ass. I don't know nothing about no car. I know there's like six cylinders. That might be the most common. Maybe. How many cylinders are you firing on? I've already asked you this question before, but... Like right now or my car? You in general. Me and my... Uh, in general? Yeah. Right now? One. One cylinder? Yeah, today. It's gonna be a bad episode, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm probably firing on two. Yeah? How many do you got in total? 24. I not. <laughs> <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Kremlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. <laughs> so we saw The Godfather. And? I've seen it before. And? You've never seen it. And I was not 100% in this time, but that's no reflection of the movie, in my opinion. It's gripped me before, especially the first time I saw it. I was gripped. I was gripped. Uh, what about you? Uh, the reason I was going and was because we also watched Oh, yeah, Scream yeah, 3. yeah, yeah. We also watched Scream 3. Do you want to start with Scream 3, then? Uh, with Yeah, we'll start with the better movie. Got, got got jokes. We got yucks. We got ha-has. Um, uh, no, we can start with The Godfather. Okay. Well, which one do you think we're going to talk about for longer? Because <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be Scream 3. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Scream 3, so I'll start with The Godfather. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's your first time watching it. You've been pestering me for a couple of days to watch it. Yeah. Uh, why was it so high on your list of, like, all right, let's finally do it? Um... Well, I've been pestering you for three days because you've been pestering me for five years to watch it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just on my list of shit I need to see. And, you know, we have it in the house. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I should watch The Godfather. It's exactly why owning a gun is a bad idea. Yeah. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't rough a joke on that. I was gonna. Okay, anyways, continue. But just like a loaded gun in the house, we used it. Um,. <sighs> No, we watched, uh, we watched it, um, uh, sorry, I just got mush brain right now. Um, like last night. We watched it last night, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a movie, yeah, uh, everyone in my life has been telling me, you haven't seen The Godfather, it's that and classic thing. Also, because you're... Oh, I'm a big old fat, uh, Italian, um... I know, you said your dad loves it? My dad, not Italian, loves it. But uh, he loves, he wishes he was Italian. Yeah, he's... Kind the, of, right? No. That's what I get the gist from the stories you tell me. Uh, no, I I mean, he. I think my dad likes the fact that he's in an Italian family now. Yeah. But he's not just, you know, wearing pinky rings and shit now. <laughs> uh, my dad looks very Italian. When I tell people my dad's not the Italian one, they're like, no. Uh -huh. I'm like, yeah. Like, when we go to funerals and stuff like that, and he has to wear a suit or a wedding, my dad looks like a... Looks like a Don. It's insane. So um, the Godfather. He looks like a Godfather. Yeah. Is my dad a Godfather? I don't think my dad is a Godfather. 
Probably not. Like, you know, it's an interesting thing. I have not surveyed my friends. But you've informed me that you have godparents. Yeah. My partner has godparents. Most people I know have godparents. Her family takes godparentship very seriously. It's a thing where, like, she even flew in for, like, the baptism. She was the godmother to her niece and stuff. Um, and then I told you I wasn't, and you were like, what? And I texted my mom, I was like, do I have godparents? <laughs> she said, do you want some? <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked her if she had any, and she was like, if I do, they're probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, it's something that's, like, semi-serious. It's one of those things where people, like, worry about it when the kid is born. Yeah. Well, she told me that. She was like, yeah, I mean, if anything happened to me, your Uncle Ron was going to take you. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Um like I think the 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 like actual like interpretation of like what it's supposed to be is if you were if you die they take you if you die, your parents die no you. if your parents die that's what I'm saying they teach you your religion oh yeah but also some people it, it's kind of a, a debate like people think it's one or the other well I gotta ask <laughs> Alicia's family which way they're taking that because because There's two very big differences there. yeah because I, my my godfather is my uncle and my godmother is my mom's friend uh-huh. so it's not like they're both gonna just move in and take care of me if my parents died you know yeah um uh i figured at that point it'd be a coin toss like which one was in a better place to take it or something i guess maybe um yeah i had no idea it, it had uh that kind of a religious yeah tie interesting um so yeah that's why it's not really something that like comes up later in life but also it's like kind of like a surrogate like backup like uncle or parent thing you know just like another yeah parental figure so for much a kid less to responsibility have. if all you have to do is like oh, guide yeah. them religiously oh yeah oh yeah if i'm if i'm any if i'm ever any poor kid's godfather and i have to do that I'll you gotta just, like print out the definition just so we're clear you mean this one right <laughs> yeah i'll just be like bro whatever you want dog like what do you I'll call him bro and dog a lot, just to, you know, relate to the So kid. the godfather. It was fine. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, uh, almost watched it once as a kid with my dad. I was like, it was when my uh, point of time my dad was just showing me a bunch of movies. He's like, we're going to watch The Godfather. And I was like, okay. And then it started, and he was like, actually, we're not going to watch The Godfather. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you're 13, and you probably won't appreciate it. You should probably watch it later in life. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I watched it um, 12 years later. Do you think night. it was the right call to, to wait? Probably, yeah. I, I mean, I, I probably I probably could have watched it when I was like 18, 19 or something like that. Um, so we watched it last night. Uh, I loved a lot of it. Overall, I liked it. Um, it's got to be got to be one of those things where, you know, for my all 25 years I've been here, people are like, best movie ever made <laughs> so watching it i was like it's pretty good yeah yeah um i don't want to be one of those cool guys it's like godfather's overrated i don't mm-hmm. like it i think it's really good i really like a lot of it um i just think overall i it might be because i was telling you while we were watching it looking at all these people i'm like oh fuck i forget how italian i am i look at all these people and i'm like these people look like everybody i'm related mm-hmm. to so when it comes to just a bunch of Italian dudes uh, just talking in a room, I tend to just kind of tune some of it out and take it not as seriously. So that could be it. It's very funny. One of the things I really like about this film, a uh, very small note, but your your little anecdote about family made me think of it. Um, I love the wedding scene. It seems so cute. I want my wedding to be like that. Yeah. But I don't think I know that many people. Yeah. There's a lot of people at that wedding. There are a lot of fucking people at that wedding. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's also that really cool little scene where like, uh, God, I can't remember their names, but like Bazzini or whatever, right? Yeah. Or Brazzini or Bazzini, whatever. Uh, he's just sitting there smoking and that guy takes a picture of him and his goons immediately smash his camera. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. Do you just like that there's a lot of people at the wedding? Yeah, it seems very, like I was, I was like, man, I wish I had more than like six people in my family. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'll bring you to a, an, a, an Italian wedding sometime. <laughs> is it that big? It's not a, it's not uh, that big, but it is that, it feels that big. Yeah. It makes that, any sense. Everything they're doing in that scene, I'm like, oh, I've been to a thousand of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, how long until you were kind of gripped, I guess? Was it from the get? Oh yeah, as soon as that dude's like, oh, these guys, they beat up my daughter, and I, I, I need justice. I mm-hmm. say, from right there, I was like, oh, I'm in. I like this. I did have, I, I was telling you last night, we took like a pee, pee break or something like that, because this movie's three hours long. Um, An intermission. My biggest problem with it was just how much of it I've heard and seen from pop culture that it takes me out of it a little bit. Like, I really like that scene until he's like, on the day of my daughter's wedding, you come to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it's this. Or even, you know, take the gu- uh, leave the gun, take the cannolis. Um, <laughs> Such a funny line. Always makes me laugh. Yeah, it's good. The one that, did, that I did, like, immediately recognize but didn't ruin anything for me, um when he's at that movie director's house and he's showing him his horse, I was like, well, that's just a weird scene of a horse here, I guess. And then when it like cuts later to like just his bed, I'm like, ah, oh, I know what's happening. <laughs> I love that shit. That was great. Um, uh, again, the oranges got spoiled for me for some reason. I don't know. I know that oranges are important to the Godfather. And so when he's like, I'm going to go get some fruit. I'm like, oh, this guy's getting shot. Mm-hmm. thought he was going to die. I was surprised he was in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think it's interesting how much he gets shot and lives and then how <laughs> yeah. like when they're hitting the the, the 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 dons of the other five families they get shot like twice and they're done yeah but that might be the only like kind of like a little baby jumping you know believability that the movie has in my opinion everybody that's, gets one everybody gets one it's fine that's why they shoot his son a thousand times <laughs> yeah to really yeah. make sure they're like fucking Corleone's <laughs> god damn they're sponges bulletproof yeah okay so I'm gonna talk about it for a second um the way I sold it to you, not to say that I'm the, you know, owner and proprietor of, like, marketing the Godfather to people, so I'm sure you've already heard. Uh, but I was, you know, just, it's basically like Breaking Bad, right? Um, Al Pacino's the war hero, the one who never wanted to get involved in the uh, family business. And I think it's a very um, gripping, uh, yeah, portrayal of, like, him you know just falling in line with the family business um as we've discussed it kind of happens like a switch a little bit um which rubs me the wrong way in some ways but then in other ways excuse me i mean to say that like i I wish perhaps it were a little more gradual but then also i also i really do think it's a strength of the movie because it's kind of like oh yeah he grew up around this he knows it. He's got the mind for it. Yeah. You know, all, it, all the only thing that was ever holding him back was just him not like wanting to do it, right? Um, and in my opinion, my favorite scene in the whole movie does a great job of uh, depicting that, uh, which is when he shows up at his father's uh, hospital room and realizes, huh, there's nobody around. There should be detectives here. There should be 
reporter's here. Huh, nobody's watching my father, right? And the nurse comes by and she's like, you gotta get out of here. And he's like, you know who my father is. Men are coming to kill him. We have to move him and whatnot. And then the, the baker, not the baker from the beginning who's like, hey, you know, my daughter's in love with this guy. You gotta keep him. But the guy that he's talking about that his daughter's in love with shows up and he's like, who are you? And he's like, hey, I'm the baker. Whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, you know, you're gonna have to look talk, tough and pretend like you have a gun in your hand or whatever. And this is a great scene where, like, you, you, you know, you're watching Al Pacino basically, like, look for context clues. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically, you know, kind of be... Um, it's almost the thing that, you know, like, uh, like Batman gets called the world great, world's greatest detective for, like, the Sherlock Holmes thing, right? Like, he's just being smart. He's being super smart. You know what I mean? He's being observant, right? Um, and I love that. I and, and to talk about my gripe with how fast it happens, I just I don't like that. Like the next scene is him immediately being like, "Yeah, I'll shoot that motherfucker right in the fucking face, and then go <laughs> and then go live in Italy for a year. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'll do ten years. I don't give a fuck. You know, like he just yeah. so quickly turns into Joey Diaz. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, which is fine, and I like him getting there. I just feel like it happens so quickly. Um, but again, it's one of those things where it's like a switch, right? He's just decided like, hey. They're not going to stop trying to kill my father. It's time. The switch has flipped. I am part of the family. And so that's fine. Yeah. I, I like it um, in the sense that he's like, I mean, like, yeah, what my biggest kind of complaint, personal, like, I don't want to say problem, but like hang up with it when yeah. I saw it was like, I've seen Breaking Bad before. Mm-hmm. So I've seen kind of the story before. But uh, in my opinion, probably just because I had seen it first and it's something I like a lot better Mm -hmm. but also you know it's because it feels less like there's a flip switch because i gotta watch it happen for seasons and seasons and episodes and episodes Mm -hmm. but it is less so like in breaking bad where it's just a slow corrosion of this guy over time yeah where um al pacino's character is just like i don't want anything to do with this and then everyone around him is fucking up so hard that he's like and it's perfectly personified in the um uh uh, hospital scene oh okay when he gets there and he's like, fuck, I, I'm just, I don't want it to be, but I'm in this situation and I have to take control of it. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of what happens for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even that next scene where, yeah, like what we were saying, everyone's like talking, like, are you like, oh, we can't do this, we can't do this, and we gotta do this, but we gotta do this, and yeah. this and that, and like and nothing's getting done, and he's just like, I'll go kill them. That's what'll happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then, I like in that scene where he's like, uh, you know, he's talking to uh, Robert Duvall, and he goes, where does it say? Where does it say you can't kill a cop? Where does it say you can't kill a crooked cop? A, cro- a crooked cop who got caught up in narcotics and now is getting what he deserves. And we got, we have, we, we have uh, newspaper people on the payroll. They, they might like that story. Oh, yeah. They might like that story. Um, and, yeah, you know, and I think it has, like, kind of, like, those big, like, Breaking Bad moments that, like, pin it down that really, like solidify that he's, you know, kind of a bad dude now or whatever. Like, goes off to Italy or whatever, and he's like, Fuck it, I'm in love with that farm girl. I'm gonna get married here. <laughs> he like calls the dad out, and he's like, "I want to meet your daughter," and he just makes it happen. Yeah, it's probably one of the only times I've laughed out loud watching this movie is when they cut back to America and it shows his girlfriend and she's talking to someone, and yeah. I was like, "I'm just watching." It. I'm like, "Oh fuck, he has a he just got married." That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then she dies, and then there's a scene where he goes and talks to Very his upsetting. old girlfriend, and uh, it's been two she's years. Like, how long you been back? And he's like, "I've been back a year." Which means, yes, it's been two years. And then he goes, marry me. And like I've said to you before, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, 
uh, alludes to like the traditions that constantly keep coming up in the film. You know, like uh, Marlon Brando says, "You talk to your family," and he's like, "Yeah, I talk to my family." He's like, "Good," because a man who doesn't talk to his family is never a true man, and all that stuff is boo. But also characterizes the characters and whatnot. Yeah, I understand. It's very um, jolly. And so, like, you know, with the being married thing, I'm pretty sure it's 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 pretty much like a must that he's got to be married, right? Yeah. Um, for him to progress forward to take control of the family business all that kind of stuff right one of the other ones uh that comes up in the line with the tradition stuff is like uh just little moments where um you know it's uh the fuck what's his name the he's salvatore valestra in <laughs> the uh masculine phantasm yeah uh when they're like oh hey we're gonna ride separate and he's like ride separate that messes up my whole thing and he's like actually i'm not even gonna go with you and then he's like yeah, well, he just tell, knows. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's like, uh, tell Michael that it was it was just business. It wasn't personal. And he's like, there's no way you can get me off the hook for this, you know? And he just knows, right? Yeah. Uh, that's great. Another thing I love uh, in terms of just those little things, right, where, like, it's obvious, but also they don't draw, draw a crazy amount of attention to it, uh, is Polly calling off sick because he got bought yeah. off by the other people. Yeah, you, you pointed that out to me. I right, because he yeah. just comes into the room, and he's like, <coughs> yeah, yeah, real bit, been real sick. I, I don't know. I just woke up not, not not feeling good. And he's like, all right, go ahead. Go on out of here. And he's like, okay, okay. <coughs> I'll talk to you later. And he closes the door. He's like, damn, motherfucker. I want him taken care of right away. I want yeah. you to do it tomorrow morning. You know? And that's great. But it's just a collection of like super memorable uh, moments, in my opinion, oh, yeah. as well as like also having that emotional background. Uh, you know, uh, um but you know it's it's like proto goodfellas right goodfellas is yeah. like the quentin tarantino version of the, the yeah. godfather um but i like you know there's even that uh the dynamic between michael and his father where like yes he's doing his father proud but also he's not he's kind of letting his dad down at the same time like there's both of those things going yeah. on right you know um like when they tell him and his on his deathbed basically like yeah michael's the one that killed those guys he immediately just starts crying and telling everybody to leave the room or whatever because he never wanted that for yeah. michael right and he also they have that conversation later where he's like i always wanted you to be senator corleone governor you know? corleone governor corleone you know and he says we just didn't have enough time pop you know uh which kind of opens the door to like hey maybe it's his little baby that's gonna be hey, you know, the one that goes legit or whatever godfather three and uh it also has a uh, bada bada bing, a little bit of like that no country for old men, like, ah, you know, things just get worse and worse um, thing where like, uh, you know, it's getting into narcotics. It's the new generation. It doesn't do things like the old generation. Mm -hmm. That's what's, you know, causing us all to go down and everything's going down the shitter. And it's the same thing that happens in Goodfellas, right? There's never any attention drawn to like the time shift. But basically by the end of Goodfellas, you know, what's fucked them up? That they got away from, you know, running the two-bit rackets, and they got into the drug money. Yep. yep. Now everybody's hooked on drugs, and everybody's fucking around with money, and they're, you know, people owe money here, they owe money here, they're drawing too much attention to themselves with the money here and the, the drugs here. The same thing happens in uh, The Godfather, and that's all well and good. Like I said, I'm not much of a traditionalist. Traditions are kind of a gray area for me, but for the context of these characters and who they are, it is interesting to watch, to to observe you know yeah and i appreciate it uh a uh, real big fan of uh a lot of the shots and a lot of the blocking in this movie okay what are some of your favorites um the one that comes the two that come to mind are the you know the obvious one everyone always talks about where he is um in the restaurant before he kills those two guys um 
the police chief and the other man. Um, and the camera just slowly pushes in on him while the other guy is talking and his dialogue fades away and you just hear the train in the background and you see uh, Pacino's eyes just darting everywhere. And then he shoots him. And the one that I noticed that um, I really liked is when he's saying goodbye to his girlfriend before he goes to kill those two guys. And she's like, when, you, when will I see you again? And he's like, ah, I don't know, this and that. They shoot it. Um, like he gets, uh, they're, they're sitting at the dinner table talking and they're doing, you know, two different over the shoulders. And like when you see her, she's on the left. When you see him, he's on the right. And then he gets up for a second and he sits back down and he sits back down and they're having that conversation and they're still doing the over, over the shoulder shots, but they're both on the left side of the screen. Yeah. Cause they're not on the same page anymore and nothing's really, mm-hmm. like, this conversation's going poorly. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I like a lot. There's a couple of scenes that I like where Michael like will pull a chair up and sit. Yeah, but he'll sit next to somebody rather than the classic cinematic like across. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there's the scene where he's talking to Carlo or Carlos or whatever his name is about the whole like, I know you sold my brother out. Just tell me, don't lie to me, don't insult my intelligence. You know, and yeah, he pulls that chair up and then he like sets it right next to him. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Now he's open to the camera. Carl's away. Kind of. Anyways, um, uh, his dad does that earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes, yeah, he does that with uh, can't remember his name, but the other gang guy, mm-hmm. the, the drugs man, the drug man, the drug man, the one who actually puts the hit on him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like all that stuff too. I like how he like picks up Robert Duvall and he's like, I know you're not part of the muscle, so I'm not gonna be a muscle. I'm not gonna muscle you, you know. Yeah. It's like I'm just picking you up because you got to talk some fucking sense into him. This is the future. This is where the business is going. I gotta you got to get him on the right page, you know. Um, and that's all great. I, I love, you know, it's 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 a, it's one of those things. Where, like everything I feel like I'm about to say about it, I'm like. You know, should we even be talking about The Godfather? I mean, they, they've done goddamn History Channel documentaries on this fucking movie. Um, but yeah, I, I just love it, even at its basest, you know, uh, on the you know, form or whatever. Uh, it just as a good, interesting crime movie, you know what I mean? Like I said, like, the fact that, like, they can just really, you know, lightly allude to, like, oh yeah, Polly was bought off, I can tell by that fake cough, right? Um, or even just, like, you know, all of that drug man's thing about like yeah i'm gonna knock off you know uh whatever the hell the big big man is remember when they stab him in the hand and they they strangle him and i'm gonna put a hit on you know the don and whatnot and uh, i'm trying to get him to you know weasel into drugs and then it turns out that it's like that barzini guy the whole time that's like really trying to just take down the corleone family and whatnot yeah you know or the laying low in in italy all that kind of stuff um I also think it's got like a very like slow and kind of like hypnotic pace to it. Like it really like oh, draws yeah. you in. Yeah, it's three hours. Um, yeah, which means you kind of got to be in the mood for it. But also, you know, if it hits, it hits just right. That's what I'm going to say about The Godfather. That's what I got for it. I wish I had a little more, but I'm going to say watch it. I will say, you, you said your favorite scene, hospital scene, yeah? Yeah. I would say mine's either that or close second is when all the heads of the family are talking together. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, uh, talking about um, like being a superstitious man or whatever. And like uh, like it's out on the table that his that uh, his son killed those two guys or whatever. And he's like, all right, we're at peace here or whatever, blah, blah, blah this and that. And he's like, but if something should happen to my son, if he should get killed by a police officer or struck by a car or hang himself in a... Uh, his jail cell or if he is struck by a bolt of lightning 
I will blame the people in this room. Mm. I'm like, ooh, that's so good. I don't know why <laughs> that, that's the one line in the movie that stuck out to me. I'm like, that's so fucking yeah. good. Yeah, and I also think there's plenty of uh, scenes like that where both the Don, you know, and uh, Michael uh, get to kind of like just be the guy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I don't think ever on camera in this film Al Pacino blinks. Yeah. And uh, it's a really cool effect. Whenever he's on screen, I can't not look him dead in the eye. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm thinking of the Mo Green scene where Mo Green goes like, you don't just come into this town and I'm, I'm Mo Green, you, Green, you fucking prick. He's like, it's, you know, Barzini tried to come and buy me out and I'd get the, you know, keep my hotel. What the fuck are you thinking or whatever? And then Michael just lights a cigarette or whatever and he kind of like closes his coat and gets to get up and he's like, think about a price and walks away. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have, a, I have a plane for New York tomorrow. Think of a yeah. price. Yeah. Um, hard truth, hard fact. I'll say it here. I don't like Al Pacino. Yeah. Never really have. That's probably my biggest, the biggest thing that kind of took me out of this movie was I just, I've never really cared for Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. I just don't like looking at him or listening Dog to him. Dog Day Afternoon. I haven't seen a lot of Al Pacino movies. Yeah, I want to see I... Serpico. I haven't seen that. So the last thing I'm going to say about The the Godfather, it's also got, a, like, I think the most like proto <laughs> Goodfellas scene in it is when Sonny shows up. She's got the black eye and the black mouth and stuff like that. Yeah. And he just immediately bites his hand. And she's like, no, don't make my kids orphan stuff like that. And she's like, hey, hey, relax. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it almost hard cuts, but it's the 70s, so they don't have the hard cut yet. But it yeah. basically hard cuts to him pulling up to him on the stoop and kicking the shit out of him. I really liked that, too. I really like it tying back to the end and tying back to the beginning where he's talking about families, uh, important and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she tells him, yeah, just don't, don't, don't hurt him or whatever. And he's like, what, I'm going to leave you without a dad, your kids without a dad? And then he just beats the shit out of him. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's all about family. Can't leave those kids without a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that to him. So this guy's just kind of off the hook forever. And so at the end, when he's like, uh, when, uh, uh, oh my God, what's Michael? That? Michael, yeah, Al Pacino's character, is like, I'm not going to do anything to you. What do you think? I'm going to widow my sister? No, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm like, oh yeah, no, this guy's just off the hook forever. And then mm-hmm. they immediately kill him. I'm like, oh, oh you got me. Total Breaking Bad moment. Um, yeah, well, I guess the one thing I forgot to talk about is how it ends. I, this is one of those movies, uh, we've had the conversation before about, you know, how, like, ah, you know, most of the time I kind of, like, don't really mind how a movie ends. I can kind of just fizzle out because it's kind of about the journey, you know? Yeah. I don't think this movie fizzles out. I really, no, like, I remember the not. first time I saw that, my fucking jaw was on the floor. Just, you know, his sister leaves the room, having accused him of killing her husband, and then his wife with tears in her eyes is just, like... Is it true? And he he does that thing where he smacks the table right as he starts screaming, and it fucking it's yeah. almost a jump scare where he's like, "Don't ask me about my business." And then he's like pacing for a second, and he like fixes tie and shit like that, and he's just like, "One time, one time, I'll let you ask me about my affairs, yeah. whatever." And she just asks like, "Is it true?" And there's like just the right amount of pause before he says no, and then it just ends with like her going into the other room for something. All these mob guys come out of nowhere, and he's just standing there. You know, and it's one of those things where you get the sense that she's looking back at her, back at her husband and just kind of going, yeah, he probably lied to me. Yeah. You're going to tell me that guy didn't lie to me, and then the door yeah. just slowly yeah. closes on it. You know, it's almost like it reminds me of the scene where, like, they just, like, pan out on Walter, like, cackling in the crawl space or something. Like, yeah. it's one of those things where it's just so poignant. It's just so fucking... It's great. Chef's kiss. Well, I think I really like... I'm trying to just bring up things that I don't hear people talk about of the godfather all the time but i don't know i don't really like, honestly listen i just know that there is talk all the time yeah like you said it's uh 
there's documentaries about this movie so yeah people, i mean what are we gonna definitely say? brought up things that we have said i'm just telling you um so everyone turn this down stop listening come back in a couple minutes i really like when they're at the funeral at the end um and the other uh mob boss the guy from the beginning that breaks the picture or whatever bazzini he's like behind like a, it the whole time yeah he like puts a flower on them or whatever smiles at michael and i don't think you ever see them in a shot together but like i said i think the blocking in this movie is so good mm-hmm. i think i'm kind of talking out of my ass here you just see michael just look at him the entire time and just like keep cutting back to those shots of him and like you said just his face doesn't blink those dead eyes he's just the entire time when that piece of shit is over there like smiling mm-hmm. and talking to other people and he's just staring oh it's so good it's so good yeah i like also that the that the the salvatore valestra comes on over and he's like hey he wants to arrange a meeting and then he fucks off and then robert redford and michael have that conversation about like robert Red, robert sorry not robert redford robert duvall yeah is like i would have never thought he'd do it you know i thought maybe like so-and-so would do it and then michael's like no so-and-so's muscle it takes intelligence to do this kind of a thing it's, it even says it's the right move yeah you know what I mean? And I just like that shit. I like those just those little things that like, get slipped in there where, like, it is just business. Like, multiple times, characters will say shit like that, but they're like, no, it's the right move. Mm-hmm. But sorry, it crosses me, so bye. So bada-bing, bada-boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's also that moment that mirrors... Uh, there's a nice moment. There's millions of them, obviously, but it just came to mind. You know, the Don has that moment where Sonny speaks out at that meeting, and then afterwards he's like... Don't ever let anybody outside of the family know what you're thinking ever again. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean? and yeah. then later on you get that scene with Michael where he's talking to Fredo, and he's like, "Don't ever side with anyone outside of the family again," or whatever. Yeah, you know, very cool. Or even when Robert Duvall, like when they're in that meeting with Mel Green or whatever, and Fredo comes over and he's like, "Come on, you you got you got to tell him, you got to tell him." And he's like, "The Don is semi-retired, and the time with you know, the, the you know, currently the Michael Michael's yeah, Michael's the yeah, guy, yeah. Or whatever." So, anyways, I mean, I'm just gonna go A plus. Like I said, I mean, I think it's a great movie. It achieves everything it sets out to do. Obviously, it raised the bar. Is you know, documentaries about it. You know, it's one of those things where like, there's not a gangster movie that's come out since that isn't indebted to what The Godfather yeah. did. Yeah. You know, I know gangster films have been around since the fucking birth of cinema. They were one of the most popular genres through the tens, twenties, thirties, forties. Um. And I, I know that there's plenty that are still, you know, standing the test of time and stuff like that. But I definitely think that's the one that that, that most people are most influenced by. Uh, and again, like I said, I'm not saying anything nobody else is saying. This is the fucking Godfather. But, uh, yeah, I think it's hugely important. I had a great time watching it. Um, it's three hours. I would say... Feels like two and a half. Maybe three out of five times I'm asked to watch it, I'd say yes. Yeah. Maybe that's being generous or whatever. I couldn't say that, like, it's not a movie that I could definitely say, like, oh, if anyone ever wants to throw it on, I'll watch it. It's three hours, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I get it. Same thing with Magnolia. I love Magnolia, but I'm not jumping at the the bit every time someone says, let's watch Magnolia. I'm like, eh, well, maybe, maybe let's watch uh, something a little closer to the 130. Um, I think it is too premature for me to give this movie a grade i saw it less than 24 hours ago okay um i am i get the feeling it's gonna probably be like halloween for me or the first time i saw it i was like all right yeah and as time goes on and halloween sits more with me i'm sure the godfather will sit with me more yeah i'm curious what your second viewing experience would be like that's what i I do plan on watching it again no rush necessarily but stoked for two 
Love, yeah. like I said, not a big fan of Al Pacino. Love me some Bobby De Niro. Oh, love Yeah, him. I feel like I have no context for the next two, so those will be really interesting experiences. Yeah. And there's also a third one. Yeah, Godfather Part 3. And you know what else had a third movie? Uh, Scream. I was trying to I was trying to do a bit. Couldn't think of one. Yep. Scream 3. Ah, ah, ah. That's three screens for you. Um, okay. Starring? Starring Liev Schreiber. And... Oh, he... Oh, he's the Drew Barrymore of this movie. He's the Drew Barrymore of this movie, yeah. That's the um, one convention I think they flipped in this one. Yeah. Because I don't think they flipped anything else. I could be wrong. Do they have a Drew Barrymore in the second one? Oh, yeah. Judah yeah. Pinkett-Smith, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're just Jada Pinkett at the But time. this time it's a man. But this time it's a bro. Uh, also starring... And it's the bro. Leif Shriver's the bro? Yes. I'm confused. I'm not picking up what you're just putting Just an out. affectionate, call him, you know, like the guy. Oh, okay. Or the dude. Yeah, Leif, I thought you were saying, like, he's the bro. I'm like, no, the other guy's the bro. No, I just I like him. Yeah, no, he's the bro. I like him. He's the dude. Um... Also starring uh, uh, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox Arquette and David Arquette and WCW champion WCW champion David Arquette with special guest appearance by Jamie Kennedy. I don't know if you caught that, but in the credits it says special guest appearance by (laughs) Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) I just want to take it from the top for a minute. Starting off, I hate that the killer can now mimic the voices. Hold on. Start out from the top. I hate this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I did not like this movie. Yeah, this movie sucked butts. Did not like that part. It was fun to watch. It was a good fun make yeah. fun of this movie type thing. Um, Just because that technology doesn't exist, and I know that that's not oh, yeah. a thing that you have to worry about in movies, but when it's the third movie in a series that's been grounded in reality the whole time, yeah, it is something that's going to annoy me. Do is like, that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, like if that showed up in Back to the Future, it'd be no big deal. If that I showed mean, up in Star Wars, it'd be no big deal. But I mean, I don't think voice changers like the ones they use in the other two movies exists where it turns your voice into that a one totally different voice. Yeah. yeah yeah and also sure. there are a lot of times but again that's established from the beginning yeah yeah no exactly you know? so to me that's not that big of a leap but what did bother the fucking shit out of me huh is at the end when there's like the big face-off between her and him before yeah. he rips off the mask and he's talking to her mm-hmm. it's the voice it's the ghost face voice yeah but he's not holding anything mm-hmm. he's just speaking like that yeah um, I will say I also have a very I take umbrage with the fact that he gets up from being stabbed in the heart and then runs at them and she has to shoot him in the head to kill him. I know that they talked earlier and Jamie Kennedy was like he's supernatural this time. He had a bulletproof vest up. Yeah, but getting stabbed in the heart's getting stabbed in the heart. That's like insta death. True. I don't think you can stab through a uh, bulletproof vest. Also, yes. I don't think it's instant death. I think you got a couple of minutes. I don't think you do with the heart. I think if the heart gets fucked, you're fucking pretty much done. I think, I mean, you're done, but I, mean, yeah. I think you got a little bit more time to get up and stab someone else. I don't know. I mean, neither do I, but I'd assume your blood's got to pump out the last of its blood. Or not pump out, but slowly die. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, neither. Um, so this Any- movie starts with a car chase. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, again, like I said, I want to just kind of start from the top and just talk about the things I hate, not necessarily in chronological order, but it is the top and it never really comes up again, but Cotton's got the number one like talk show in the country. Yeah. Again, that's just weird to me. The number one like crime talk show, I think. 
It's, I don't think it's crime. They're talking. About, well, I, I guess so. They're talking about road rage. Okay. But, I mean that I buy. We were talking uh, about it. I think rubs me the wrong way. Um, what's his name? Can't think of his name. Can't think of his daughter's name. But it was a very high profile murder of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and that girl's father was the host of America's Most Wanted for a very very long time. Yeah, he was famous for that. Yeah, but they show a clip of his show. It's very clearly not that kind of a thing. It's just like Oprah or something, like The View. Yeah, I, so I know, weird. but it's somebody somebody who is involved in a true crime becoming a celebrity. Yeah. I buy that. Um, and that's kind of his goal at the end of 2. He's yeah. talking about it all through 2. So it happened for him. I'm happy for him until he dies. Um, I can't. Oh, yeah. And then the plot of this movie is them making Stab 3, which is about the events of Scream 1, which you'd think that would be what Stab 1 was about, right? Wait, what's the third one about now? They're filming Stab 3. Yeah, and it's basically the same movie they already made, because when they're doing Stab 1 and the second one, it is the first one. It's yeah. them recreating scenes from the first one. So what are they doing for Stab 3? It looks like they're back in Woodsboro, but we never really see any clips, so I can't really discern which one it is. Are they just winging it? They might be just winging it. Okay, so they're making a new story where they gotta go back to Woodsboro and like. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, there's also that thing where like we've discussed privately the fact that like there are attempts by this new writer to try to be kind of meta, mm-hmm. but yeah. it doesn't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, another one of my gripes is just, like, was making it, was making the movie they're making Stab 3 just because you're making the third one? Because there wasn't a second one yet. I feel like this movie would have worked a lot better if it was Scream 2. Yeah. Um, I think if the plot of Scream 2 is that they're making this movie, mm-hmm. and you could get meta that way. Yeah. And it was written by Kevin Williamson mm-hmm. instead of... John Thoroughbred or whatever. Uh, he said his like name Kruger was. or something. Okay. Timothy Kruger maybe. Um, I don't know. I think that could have maybe worked better. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the premise of like them making the movie. Because the movie has no, guess. Guess the the stab movie has nothing to do with Scream Two. They yeah. show it at the beginning and then that's it. Yeah. I also, you know. You know, one of the complaints I had was that he is kind of supernatural, but again, they acknowledge it with the Jamie Kennedy thing, so I guess that's fine. But then he also acknowledges the whole, like, oh, something fundamental is going to change. And, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. The killer's going to be her fucking brother, especially with all the shit going on with his mo- her mom and the clues that are being left and the fact that now everybody's suddenly like, <gasps> Oh my God, she was in Hollywood for a year. Yeah. Like, disgusting. I was Hate fine, w- not fine, but I was okay with all of that until he's like, yeah, and then I found Billy Loomis and I convinced him to do this. And, I, and I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. Oh, so you're making Scream 1 bad now. It, to me, it's just a whole movie of like, instead of acknowledging, commenting on, subverting, you know, um tropes and cliches and and things that instead the movie's just kind of like name dropping other movies and then also like tripping over the tropes and ending up like right where every other horror movie is yeah uh yeah just a big bummer all around uh and something else i brought up while we're watching the movie is we were probably like a half hour in and i was like who do you like in this movie? yeah yeah nobody everybody in the movie is just 
the worst. Yeah, and there's so many points also where like characters will find something, and then they'll go like, <gasps> like they just found out a clue, and then me and you would look at each other and basically go, "What the fuck does that mean?" Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like when they're like, "These were all taken on the same like lot in Paramount or something," and they're like. We gotta go there right now. Why? Yeah. Oh Why? yeah. Yeah. Sydney Why? says that she's like. Uh, yeah. She says, "Can you take me there right now?" And I was like, oh, "Why? What are you gonna? This was thirty think, years ago. You think the killer like hit another clue there or something? Is this? Also, it's a movie set. They probably destroyed or moved it. Yeah. And they do they ever actually end up going specifically to that? And it looks the same in a way or something remember. like that. No, or? I don't know. Because um, then there's a point where, like, I know they're on the lot and Sydney goes piss, but for some reason, even though she's not supposed to be out, out of anyone's sight, she goes piss in the back of a not-in-use lot where, like, Woodsboro was set up. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was really... Like, how did she get there, and then when she leaves the bathroom, she's surprised she's in Woodsboro? Yeah, no. How we, the fuck did you get to the bathroom? Yeah, then? exactly. I, I think one of us made the joke when it happened. She's in the bathroom, and you pointed out that it's the same gross hand dispenser, uh, soap dispensers from the first movie, and it looks exactly like the bathroom, the high school bathroom, the third movie, yeah. first movie. And then she walks out, and she's on the set of the other things, and I'm like, do you think she just took a dump in a prop toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jackass 3. Um, yeah, I also really, really, that this is the one thing that I like about this movie. Ooh. I love the idea of her being on the set yeah. and then getting attacked. Yeah. That's great. Do that for, uh, like I said, this movie would work better as Scream 2. I think yeah, because I think Scream 2's backbone being like, they're in college now, is fine from like a realistic standpoint of like, okay, that's what they would do next. But I definitely think... Kevin Williamson with some elements from the second one and some of those elements from the third one would have made a great sequel and they probably never should have made a third one. They probably just should have made a really, really good second one. But again, this is hindsight speaking and yeah, whatnot. And but five comes out soon, so. Yeah. Um, and we have to track down four. But I really do like that. It's kind of surreal and it's obviously like traumatizing, right? Yeah. It's almost like, you know, uh, in a video game, like how sometimes you might actually play through a level that's like, your character re-experiencing a you know yeah. moment it, it really creates this interesting like yeah like i like when she's in the house and like she's getting chased and she does a thing where she's like oh right door, i can yeah. open this closet door and it's like she's like, been this, there like, yeah but my but then it ends up being on the first floor so we can just come into the window right? yeah, yeah yeah so it's one of those things where like it, it's it's a it's uncanny yeah is what it is it's familiar but something's different yeah exactly and that's great yeah and that's exactly kind of what i think a sequel should do because there's a degree to which you have to deliver what people want mm -hmm. but then it should be a little different yeah also thinking about you know being in 2002 when did this movie come out 2000 we'll call it 2002 sure and you're watching scream 3 and she walks on the set and it's like blah 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 and it like gets that shot of the house i'd probably be like is that the is that the house from the first one well, i guess it's the house from the first one <laughs> Yeah, which is really funny that you bring that up because, you know, I love the first three Frankenstein movies. They're kind of a trilogy, even though there are a couple more sequels, but people don't usually consider those kind of canonical, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, there are, like, huge kind of, like, continuity jumps. Like, for example, the way that Frankenstein's lab looks from the exterior even. Train changes dramatically from film to film, but it's exactly what you were talking about. Where it's like, 
moviegoers saw that movie and then it left the theater and then the next time you made your movie it didn't matter that much because yeah, no, yeah exactly. you, you, you say hey it's frankenstein's laboratory and everybody goes cool um so more stuff that i hate about this film i hate but also i love the scene where they're uh i hate patrick warburg or whatever the fuck his name is in patrick this warburton. warburton yeah uh love him as a guy love him and shit but i hate this role for him yeah it's he's awful just he's just a douchebag and that's supposed to be kind of funny i guess but instead of the whole time i'm just like why are you being an asshole to one of the characters i really like actually and uh but then they, they end up in that house and like they keep like frantically being like oh everybody outside outside oh the fax is going on all right everybody inside 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 uh oh uh, back outside back outside back outside ah, back inside back inside hate it but also it's kind of funny yeah uh I don't know if it's supposed to. I weren't you reading that like they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna focus more on the comedy for this. Yeah, movie? the studio wanted them to lean into the comedy because of Columbine. Yeah, okay. I um, think that they, was the big reason why they moved into Hollywood instead of uh, Woodsboro because again, it was that thing where it's like, oh, a small town getting butchered. Ugh, Columbine just happened in a small town. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's forget about it. You know. I'd say the only quote unquote comedy moment that worked for me is them running inside and outside, oh, inside yeah. and outside. It's very funny. Um, I will say props to this movie I guess a little bit that the kind of main plot ends up being a girl goes to Hollywood and uh, gets sexually assaulted in order to forward her career and then she ends up having a kid about it and then every other actress making it offhand it is played for laughs at this point which sucks but like pretty much every actress is like Ugh, can't believe I slept with that guy for this or ugh, can't believe I fucked that guy to get that part or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and then the movie ends and it says produced by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah, interesting that it was produced by <laughs> and there was no point where he was like, hey guys, Ixnay, but I think that speaks to just how like much of an open secret it was. Yeah. It's you know it almost reminds me, although it's context it's so different. It is so, so different. But it's kind of like the way that like people like always just kind of like, hey, don't drop the soap. Like they even make that joke in SpongeBob. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's one of those things where it's like wild that everybody just says it and nobody ever goes like, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, well, I mean, maybe maybe I should try to examine for other things that I do like. Is there anything else you can think of liking? You like that one scene where she goes into the room and there's all those ghost faces. Yeah, there's all the ghost faced uh, costumes up in there. Uh, which I liked in theory. It didn't end up being anything worthwhile because uh, then I immediately remembered, oh, wait, this is how Scream 2 starts. Mm-hmm. They're in the movie theater first of a, full of a bunch of ghost faces. Much better, too. It's um, a diluted version of that. Just yeah. like I will say the whole idea that, like, whoa, whoever's calling, it might not actually be the person they think they're talking to is just a diluted version of, like, is this character dreaming right now? Which is what Nightmare on Elm Street does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where like it never ends up actually working because every time like things are a little off in the phone call, I'm like, oh, okay, it's the killer. Oh, every time someone talks to someone else on the phone, they're talking to yeah. the killer. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, there's no normal conversations yeah, no. in the film. Uh, so they do a very bad job of burying that lead. Uh, and then on that same topic, there was something else I was just meaning. Oh, yeah, real quick, just another thing, another sin this movie uh, commits, in my opinion, is the the thing where they make all of the actor characters just insufferable for some reason. I feel yeah. like movies that yeah. are about 
like actors trying to break in the biz that aren't the main characters they always do that thing where they're like oh you're just mad because she fucked him better than you and got a better role or whatever and it's like well why i don't like these people i don't relate to them i hate them get them get them off the screen why would you do this to them they could have just been normal people Mm -hmm. or not in this movie (laughs) yeah also yeah we probably did because then the movie does that weird thing where they like buddy up i guess it's specifically gail but like for some reason gail just has like her protege with her the whole time kind of yeah the girl who plays her in the movie yeah. and it just seems so out of character because i feel like at a certain point actually at every point possible gail would have been like hey get the fuck away from me stop you helped me get into that room now get the fuck out of here yeah they i feel do, like that would have been in line with her character yeah they do that for 10 minutes maybe and, and then, then eventually she's like fine <laughs> get in the car and then they're the best of friends yeah yeah um also they keep like uh alluding to the fact that the girl who plays sydney in the movie might be the killer might be the killer but every time she shows up i'm like is that her okay yeah i guess that's her because she her hair changes four times in this movie it's long and then it's short and then it's medium and i just couldn't there is something sinister about her but every time i'm just like what the fuck is this girl doing here because she keeps like popping out of bathrooms and closets and fucking all kinds of shit yeah she's never just naturally in a scene in that movie i i thought less that and more so every time that she popped up i'm like why the fuck are they doing this (laughs) Because, like, not for a hot second was I like, oh, it's her. Okay, yeah. Or, ooh, it could be her. I'm like, no. What was the thing I said I liked about this movie? I don't remember. Uh, them running in and out of the house. No. Or her well, seeing the house no, on set. No, no, it the, it's the set. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I like, Jamie Kennedy's back. And yeah. I like Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. You know what we like about this movie? When it reminds us of other movies. <laughs> More specifically, the first one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screen 3 is good when it's reminding you of better screen yeah. movies. Also, I hate... God, there's just so many little things where, like, it makes sense totally, but, like, it's just one of those things where it's, like... It's almost like weird little detours. They're so minuscule that are just, like, oh, that's weird. Oh, that's weird. Like, when she shows up and there's a metal detective detector waiting there for her to scan her body to make sure she didn't bring a gun. Like, I get it. Logically, he wouldn't do that. But also, it's just a weird... I, but I guess it works so that, like, oh, because then you're, like, it works for the bait and switch later. Where'd he get the metal detector, though? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, did he go out of his way to buy one to make sure that when he got her there, he could then have her use it? Like, because that's insane. If, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I said, I get it because it is logical, but also it's one of those things where it's, like, that's a lot of planning. Uh, it's not 40. Che- it's 40 checkers for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't like that. And this is also the first time in the series where I'm not that scared of the ghost face. Like I said, in the first two, I feel like there's like a bit of a visceral nature to him. He's brutal. He is actually kind of scary. He stabs through a fucking stall door or whatever. Yeah. Those things are hard plastic. Two had at least the scene where they're in the car. There's no part in this movie that made me tense or even a little bit scared or be like, no. ooh, it'd be scary to be in that situation. No, not one. Um... To go back just a little bit, uh, I disagree. I absolutely hate Jamie Kennedy in this movie. Really? I think Jamie Kennedy himself, fine. Jamie Kennedy being in this movie, uh-huh. I hated it. Yeah, I don't like that whole thing where it's like, if you're watching, this is too late. Because in the first movie, he gets up and goes, you guys don't know the rules? Mm-hmm. And explains the rules, and it's just a fun joke, and oh, you see it play out later. I'm sorry. And in what? Go ahead, but I remembered something. And in two... 
he's just you know yapping in the background all the time and people are like fucking no he right. gives the rules yeah and he's given the rules yeah. but everyone's usually like fucking shut up yeah. all right jamie kennedy shut up we're being murdered all right and then in three everyone's like oh we gotta watch this videotape and they watch it and he's like these are the rules that's everyone's fair like, everyone's like oh this is important information we should be yeah remembering for later and no one does well that's also like one of the things that in the first couple movies i think it works in terms of like just being a bit of like meta comedy yeah he's talking to us in the other movies but in this one yeah it ends up being like i don't know if it's like the 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 screen writer like misunderstanding that and then just assuming that like he's actually like some sort of oracle type figure who yeah they're like oh well it happens in the other movies it's got to happen in screen yeah but in the second one god when we were talking about it i meant to bring it up because he's sitting at the table with dewey they're having lunch and he's like all right it's a sequel. The rules are different. And he lays out three rules. Uh, the two that he says in the film uh, are... Ga, 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 ga. Uh, ba, 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 Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Bigger body count. Absolutely. Could have been looking that up while I was talking. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Bigger body count. And that the death scenes are more elaborate. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't give a third one. Really? Even though he says there are three rules. For that, you gotta watch the trailer. Does it give the third rule in the trailer? In the trailer, yes. Wow. Don't remember what the third one is? So go ahead and find that trailer. I won't. Anyways, back to the second one, third one. Uh, we watched it. Um, I can't, like, I can't, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of the end, and I know it happens in that basement. Um, it happens with, um, ooh, I can't even remember his name. He's one of the boyfriends in Scrubs. The killer ends up being and it was the same thing with uh timothy oliphant too i remembered it was him in this movie because i uh-huh. remembered he was the guy from scrubs mm-hmm. and that's all i remembered but it's the same thing with timothy oliphant too where he shows up at the beginning and but then, then he's not yeah gone until the last 10 minutes of the mm-hmm. movie yeah yeah like i said i take i like the idea of the reporter from the second one being like it's always blame the parents as a motive way more than i like this weird thing about him being like the bastard son of you know sydney's mom yeah and very was, strange was his plan to kill people on the movie set until sydney eventually showed up yeah because how could he account for that what's the first murder oh that's right he comes after cotton yeah and then after that he starts leaving pictures of sydney's mom at the crime scene oh that's right he's looking for her yeah, he's trying to find her. Yeah. But she's in witness protection. Yeah, and that's right. He calls her and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, also, I totally forgot about her having all those visions of her dead mom. Yeah, that's a really weird, like, four, five, six Halloween sequel, like, a way that they, like, add in, like, some weird supernatural element that just... It's just her having... Doesn't fit with the rest? Yeah, it's just her having PTSD, which I feel like could have been done better for sure. Other we. <laughs> made the joke at the end where like they see her walking with the dog and like yeah she's okay she'll be fine yeah like no no she will not yeah yeah i think it's weird i think it's a very weird weird addition to the movie also a gust of wind blows a door open i think five or six times in this movie yeah are the hollywood hills that windy i don't know i don't think anywhere's that windy bud when was the last time you saw a gust of wind bust open a shut more often than not the wind usually closes doors, usually slams doors yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. That's what I've experienced. Usually slams open doors. They're not good at turning handles. I'm going to give this movie a big fat F. 
failed. It failed miserably, in my opinion. I'm going to give it a D. Yeah. Because I had fun watching it. Yeah. I'd say I'd say an F for a movie is a movie that I find boring. Really? I didn't think that this movie was good. Yeah. But I had fun. We had some good yucks watching it. Uh, I laughed when they were running in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, I wasn't bored watching it. Yeah. So. I'm just going to consider like uh, Fs are when I, I, I think that there's something the movie tried to do, or at least in the case of a sequel, something that the series has been established as accomplishing that it just fails to just mix and misses the market. You know, whatever it was trying for, it didn't end up doing right. And what it's trying to do is the same thing, right? It lays out the three rules about how like, Oh, something, there's a twist or something. You didn't, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I just don't think it's ever successfully like aware of itself enough to then actually like, um, you know, in the first one we were talking about <clears throat> a lot about how like, Oh, it's like Wes Craven's movie where he's just like such a horror master that at this point he can kind of yeah. like riff on it, you know, yeah. come almost you know, table talk. Well, also Kevin Williamson is a big part of that. A yeah. lot of that was written by him, yeah. you know, and now Kevin Williamson is gone and there's some guy who can clearly write a horror movie, but he definitely can't write a good one. And if you can't write a good one, then you can't write a good one that also does table talk that also yeah. is meta. Right. And so I think it just ends up letting down the first two, even though the second one wasn't even that good. I think we probably gave it like a C or something. Yeah. So anyways, I think, that's my criteria for an F is like if it just yeah. completely fails what I expected from it. Yeah, no, I think that works. I, yeah. think that's per- I think that's a perfect criteria for an F, and that's probably what I would give a movie an F for. But like I'm... Uh, we were having, we had fun. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I had fun. I, I had think, fun. And I think it is just... Hey, I'll tell you what, I'd watch it enough. again. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. There, I am probably going to watch Scream 3 again before I die. The hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully I don't die tomorrow. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Oh, God, please let me see the kid scream three one more time. Within a reasonable amount of time. I don't want to see it again too soon. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone. It's called One for the Angels. Death comes for a guy, right? He has a job where he sells shit on the street corner or whatever. He's very close with the neighborhood kids. Very briefly, he says, like, hey, it's your time. He's like, but I've got unfinished business. And then Death's like, oh, uh, well, actually, there's infrastructure for that. So, like, what is the thing? And he's like, ah, I've never been skydiving. And he's like, that's not it. You could come with me. And he's like, well, there is one guy, thing. I have to avenge the, the rape and murder of my girlfriend and play a guitar solo on the roof. <laughs> yeah. The well, then he goes on to this thing about how he's like, I always wanted to make a real good sale or whatever. One that would, one for the angels, one that would open up, you know, yada, 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 whatever. And spoilers at the end of the movie, he does. Because basically what happens is once he makes that deal with death that he can have a little more time to try to finish up his business, he ends up killing one of the neighborhood kids that he likes or whatever. And she's going to die tonight at midnight kind of a thing. And so then he ends up setting up outside of her house and, and like uh you know to make a sale or whatever and death's like hey this is kind of late for a sale and he's like hey you never know when a sale is gonna come across and the whole thing is that death is very punctual and he makes death late for the appointment and so you know at the end that's kind of like that was a really good you know sale and he's like yeah yeah it was wasn't it and he's like one for the angels and he's like yeah yeah i guess it was and they go off together but anyways in that scenario you would have to say obviously my unfinished business is the I gotta see Scream Three one more time. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of work for not that funny of a. <laughs> I guess it would have been funnier like if I could have just made the the reference. If I was dying, it was a deep cut though. And death came to me. Yeah, and I was like, I gotta see. Uh, no, I'm, I gotta see Scream Three before I died. And yeah. he was like, Okay, you can have. He would crank that one for sure. 
he'd, what? I'm saying he'd grant that one. Yeah, no, and he was like, all right, fine, you can. You can watch Scream 3. You can sit in this living room and watch live for two more hours or watch Scream 3. I'd probably be like, nah, that's fine. You can just, <laughs> I'll just go. Uh, <clears throat> right now in this moment specifically. doesn't have to be that deep. You decide. If you were given that deal by death, what would be your case for I've got unfinished business? Oof. Um... I've never been in love. No, I'm kidding. Um, That'd be a very sweet one. Um, that would probably even get you. I don't know. That'd probably even get it for you. I don't think I have one. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to do a kickflip before I die. Yeah? Yeah. I'd like to see a different country before I die. That'd probably be it. I've yeah. never left the country. But that's not as philosophical and nice as a, a, a one for the angels. I think being in love was a decent one. Okay. Well, I think I have, but... Yeah. What about... Reciprocated... Um... Love with longevity. Um... I feel like that'd be a loophole. I'd like to be married for a while and have well, at least yeah. one or two kids. Well, yeah, that's the thing is I don't think I have one like the one for the angels thing that would work because anything that I'm in the process of or that I'd like out of my life is like a thing where it's like, hey, buddy, we're talking 20, 30 years for me to figure out like yeah. I want to have like a kid or something or I'd like to get married or I'd like to write a novel one day or something. Those are all things where it's like, yeah, okay, how long is that going to take you, buddy? So anyways, we've graded the film at this point. We're not talking about movies anymore. So I think that means... Uh, well, you know, here's a fun thing. Maybe we could model the endings uh, uh, after movies or something like that. Is there some way that, like... Uh, not credits, but some way that we could theatrically... Like, maybe we could roll credits. We only have two credits, though. Uh, your hosts are... Uh, hosted by Chris Crumley and uh, Nick Johnson. Produced by... Nick Johnson, sound editing by Nick Johnson. Computer owned by Chris Crumley. <laughs> uh, no production company. Uh, no rights to speak of. We didn't use any music yet. Oh, we'll start, though. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, any likeness that reminds you of someone living or dead, it's, you know, just a coincidence. Lighting by uh, DTE and Rocky Cooper. <laughs> It's in my name at this point. Okay. We have, we both bring the lights. Craft services by uh, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese and Brussels Sprouts or whatever Chris just ate. It's kind of an anticlimactic way to end the show, I think. I think a nice abrupt bye is good. Hey. Bye. Bye. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time... <laughs>